Welcome to the Avail Podcast, where we dig deep and talk about the art of leadership. My name is Virgil Sierra, and today we're sitting down with Paul Lewis Cole. Paul is a noted speaker, pastor, author, and one of the world's foremost experts on men's issues. Paul is an award-winning media producer and director, but his passion is carrying a message of Christ-like manhood to the world by presiding over Christian Men's Network. In this episode, Paul will unpack some thoughts and ideas regarding why discipling men is so crucial in these times. So buckle up your leadership seatbelts and let's get started. We are back, everybody, for another episode of the Avail podcast, where we talk about the art of leadership. I'm your host, Virgil Sierra, lead pastor of Vertical Church, a.k.a. Iglesia Vertical in South Florida, your friend, your host here on the Avail Leadership Podcast. And as always, we have an amazing guest today, none other than Paul Lewis Cole. Paul, I am honored to have you here on the Avail Podcast. How are you feeling today? I'm doing great, Virg. It's great to be with you and uh, to spend a little time talking about things that really matter. And uh, that's uh, discipling men. How do you change the future of the world? Touch the heart of a man. Yeah, that's good. I I hope you enjoyed my little intro music there. I I always have fun. (laughs) I didn't know if that was uh, your band or. uh... (laughs) Well, it's not. It's not my own. I used to be in a band, had great music, but that wasn't the band. Uh, Anyway, I'm excited to get into this conversation, Paul. You and I have spent some time uh, recently in Mexico equipping and encouraging pastors and church leaders which was an awesome privilege with some mutual friends like Pastor Robert Berger. Um, and and I'm, I'm excited to get into this conversation with you because I've been, I've been leaning in uh, to how God's used basically your family and, and your ministry, um, which so today's conversation, we're going to jump into the heart of the importance of discipling men. Before that, can you just share a little bit about yourself so that our Avail uh, listeners and viewers can get, get an idea of who Paul Cole is? Yeah, my background is uh, television, media, marketing, uh, owned a company that did that for uh, 30 years. But my father wrote a book called Maximize Manhood a few years after he started full time into ministry to men. And everybody's like, what is that? Is that pancakes? What, what are we talking about? Here? And uh, or, or is, it, is it street tacos? What are we talking about? And um, 1977, God did a work in his heart and he saw that most pastors we're taught how to preach sermons, not how to disciple men. Wow. And so most men are taught how to listen to sermons, not how to study the word of God. So my background, marketing, media, and all the things I was doing, everything from TBN to HBO, Hmm. uh, my background in business and and working with everybody from uh, Jerry Falwell to Willie Nelson is a (laughs) bit of a a thing there. But uh, doing all of that uh, and helping my dad, Really, and then, and then what I did in business in terms of helping ministries and, and uh, raising up staff and people, I saw the need for, for men to be discipled, saw it in my dad, what he did. And really, if you want to get into it, Virgil, get right into the weeds mm-hmm. of it a little bit, is that one of the things that my dad had done early in his life is, is lean into this myth that you sacrifice everything for the kingdom. Wow. And for the ministry. And, and it's essentially, he sacrificed his family and almost lost his family in that wow. sense because he, he bought into that thing. That's really what kind of was part of the turnaround in 1977 is he thought, you know, I've got to make sure my family's following <clears throat> Christ. That's my first ministry. 
And then wow. he began to share that with other people and, and of course, became a mentor to uh, Coach McCartney and uh, Chuck Norris and a number of other people who then talked about his ministry. And, bro, the thing just blew up wow. huge in the mid-'80s. And uh, we know by 1996, there were over a million men there with Promise Keepers in Washington, D.C. Hmm. And the whole men's movement just blew up, real high visibility. And, and it's interesting. These things come along in different waves and seasons. But what has never changed is that the core of the ministry of Jesus on the earth was he built a band of brothers. Mm -hmm. And as a pastor and leader, if we don't change the hearts of man, uh, of men, we lose everything. When you touch the heart of a man, you touch the soul of a nation. And, and uh, Joel 3.9 says, wake up the mighty men, prepare for war. And that's really where we're at in our culture. I, dude, you and I talked about it the other day that mm -hmm. it feels like we've raised up a generation of really soft church boys. Yeah. And, and flaccidity has never been attractive in a man. <laughs> I like that line. I like that. We just <laughs> go with that. Yeah. And, and really, uh, Virgin, this is why I love Avail and, and uh, what Sam and all of you are doing is that, mm -hmm. you know, we, we're in a culture in which we, it, it feels like our culture is more concerned about the calorie content of our children's lunches mm -hmm. and the character content of our children's hearts. Wow. And so what we're looking at right now is when we talk about ministry men, you know what we're talking about? We're talking about raising up dads because every child deserves a loving dad. Yeah. We're talking about lowering the abuse stuff that happens. We're talking about lowering the demand in human trafficking because really it's a su supply and demand issue and we can work on the supply side all we can. Yeah. The demand side is what keeps it going. So that's what we're, we're fired up about with Christian Men's Network now in over 100 countries, 48 languages around the world mm. is helping local churches grow by discipling strong men. Yeah, I like this. I like this. I think this is a very, very important subject for, for us to touch as Christian leaders, as pastors, as ministry leaders, as people who love God and who love God's plan for this world and love people. Um, I, I, I want to just uh, ask this question. You, you touched on it a while ago. Um, why? It seems like there's an increasing number of childish men. There's an <laughs> increasing number of, of men who are just not maybe not stepping into manhood until like really late in life. If yeah. they ever do, right. that's today's culture and generation. Why, why is this problem? Well, first of all, as a culture, we've given uh, young men permission to stay childish. You know, you look at movies like hangover and things like that. And, right. and really, if you want to get right down into it, why is that? And it's about money because the people who make movies, which is what helps drive culture. Wow. They also own all of the, most of the gaming uh, industry. Okay, I'm talking about video games, right? The video game industry is $36 billion a year. The movie industry is $16 billion a year. Wow. There's more money in video gaming. So let me ask you, what's the, what do you think the average age of a video gamer is in the United uh, States? And let's just use U.S. because it's easier to do yeah, that. I would venture to say that the average age would be like 15. Yeah, exactly. That's what we would all think. You know what the average age is? 34. Wow. The average age of a video gamer is 34. Why? Because Crazy. that's the guy who can afford to buy the armor to go to the next level. You know, <laughs> right? So if yeah. you're in these, how do they make $36 billion? It's not selling the games. You go out and buy a game for a stupid amount of money now. I don't know what it is, 40 bucks or something. Wow. Like right? Yeah. But inside that game are all these different levels. That's where the money's made. So what, what do they do? They give men permission to stay 
young or immature, wow. right? Helicopter parenting, all of those sorts of things. I give you a couple stats because I, I love these things because it yeah. kind of helps frame it for us. Check this out. I'll, I'll give you some one out of four things. You ready? Yeah. One out of four men at the age of 30, one out of four men at the age of 30 are living with their parents. Wow. In the U.S. Check this out. One out of every four married men who walk in the door of your church are in an extramarital affair. Wow. Now, these are these are Wall Street Journal and Harvard Business and whoever. These are American Psychology Association. These are their stats. This is not evangelistic stuff. Sure. Check this out. One out of every four women under the age of 45, one out of every four women under the age of 45 that walks in your church door has had an abortion. Yep. So what we're talking about in our culture is, is we're talking about a character issue. And I want to direct you to something. If you don't mind me using the Bible, you guys use the Bible, don't you? We use the Bible. We believe in it. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty strong on it. Kind of the framework. Uh, Isaiah, Isaiah chapter 3, verse 1 This is uh, and 2. This is one of those places where God's correcting Israel again, which is what we're talking about. The whole mm -hmm. Bible, if you will, particularly the first covenant is about God trying to take some people from immaturity to maturity. Yeah. When we get people in the kingdom, when we get people to be, you know, as followers of Christ, when they find a revelation of Christ, yeah, bam, we know instantly in the kingdom you're grafted in. But how many of us know that there's now a process that that man has to go through, mm -hmm. that, his, that his speech has to change, that the yep. way he treats his wife has to change, that... Uh, the way he uh, gestures to people in traffic has to change. <laughs> he can no longer uh, throw up the, hey, you're number one. Adam. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Isaiah 3 1 is one of those places where God's trying to take Israel to maturity. And, and I'll just take a brief moment on this because I think it really speaks to where you and I, mm -hmm. as leaders, servant leaders, which yeah. is what you uh, teach and which is what Sam and, and Avail teaches, we yeah. are servant leaders. Jesus came to serve. Mm hmm. So let that just be the foundational predication of this. But it says that it says that Israel thought, man, we can do it on our own. Mm -hmm. We've got our own ideas. We got our own programs. We got everything wired in. And uh, of course, we know that's the first issue with with us kind of taking a tumble. So here's what God says. He says in, in the first verse of chapter three of Isaiah. You know what? I'm going to take from you. It says, I'm going to take your security, your supply of bread and your water. Uh -huh. Now we know that's a picture or type shadow of the Holy of, uh, of God's presence, uh -huh. his security, the father, bread, son, water, Holy spirit. Yeah. He says, I'm going to take my presence from you. And then he says, I'm going to take two people out of your culture. And when I take these two people out of your culture, it'll begin to tip over. It's like if you're cutting timber and you put a notch in the tree, the way you want it to fall. Yeah. Right. And that begins the tipping point. We know if you take something out of something critical, something out of a recipe, it'll no longer be what you hoped it would be. Yeah. He says, I'll take two things out. He says, I'll take your hero and your warrior, your hero and your warrior. Every great culture, Verge, has been built on the character of its heroes and yeah. the courage of its warriors. Character and courage. Character of its heroes, courage of its warriors. Now watch this. It's true of every great culture. It's true of every great family. And it's true of every great church. Character and courage. 
And, and uh, what we have to build into the hearts of men then is character. What is that? That's maturity. That's yeah. doing the right thing, even when the context or emotions of the moment would cause you to do something different. Yeah. And that's why I'm, I'm passionate about that. And, and if anybody's got a daughter like you do. Yeah. If anybody has a, a little girl in their family or grandchild, granddaughter, all of us are concerned about the maturity of men. Right. <laughs> yeah. Because childishness, look what it's caused. Im the immaturity of men is the root cause because immaturity is part of a predication or a foundation or a center of selfishness. Right. Yep. Selfishness is the leading problem in divorce. But fatherlessness is the core issue in our culture today. Fatherlessness. And in the United States, as an example, we spend hundreds of billions of dollars every year fixing the issues that come from fatherlessness. You travel around the world. Pastor Sam travels around the world. Yeah. Uh, we see we see every culture in the world. Fatherlessness is the leading indicator of poverty. Poverty is the leading indicator of children not being able to learn. Why? Because hungry kids can't learn. There's a lot of other the thinning of the cortex. Uh -huh. uh, you can look at Harvard uh, Medical School's report on that. Stanford did a report on uh, on that whole thing, the thinning of the cortex, the inability of, of kids in poverty or food deserts to be able to take tests or study or have short-term memory. So what we're really talking about is what's the future of the world, man? Right. If you've got a Toyota dealership, who's buying your cars 15 years from now? I'll give you another quick stat. This is just blows me away. California, which we would look at is uh, – as progressive in their thinking. That's, mm -hmm. that's what we think of in a cultural manner. Well, they're forward thinking. They have built over the last 20 years, they've built 28 prisons and one college. Wow. Now, come on, man. Yeah. 28 prisons and one college. Why is that? Because we build prisons and colleges based on the academic level, reading level, if you will, retention level of third graders. Because we know that 15 years from now, based on that, we know that the number of beds we're going to need either in a, in a uh, uh, you know, prison or we know the number of classrooms and professors we'll need in, in a university. Wow. And, and now, and then the other thing, let's look at it. Another quick thing is 60% of all university students now are women. It's 60-40 now. It's wow. been sliding for quite a while. We're in the midst of a boy crisis. We're in the midst of a man crisis. And, and we're in the midst of a cultural crisis. Yeah, I think, I think that this conversation is not only relevant, but incredibly important right now. Um, you know, we, as, as you, you're sharing these stats, I know everybody is leaning in and, and wondering and thinking what is happening and it doesn't seem like these stats are going in the right direction. Like if they're sliding, they're not sliding in the right direction. So clearly, you know, from your experience and from your expertise and your heart, um, the solution is discipling men. Uh, and I remember yeah. in a conversation you and I had in preparation for this, uh, this Avail podcast, you mentioned about some of the benefits when you disciple men. We don't, we don't have time to go in depth to all of them, but can you just touch on some of the, some of the uh, benefits or values that come when, when we disciple men? 
Christian leaders around the world are taking advantage of their free annual subscription to the Avail Journal. After all, each one of us should be taking the next step in our leadership journey. When you sign up for a free annual subscription to the Avail Journal, you'll enjoy interviews, articles, resources, and much more. For more information and to get subscribed today, visit availjournal.com. Yeah, you know, that's funny. We don't have time to go in depth. I understand that. You know, <laughs> when you get somebody like you or me and we're passionate about leadership and <laughs> passionate about, I mean, I remember you and uh, Aaron Joyce in the back of the van talking about some leadership things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, 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 and I mean, it was a 45 minute van ride <laughs> and you guys never stopped. It was like on, right? Yeah. Because yeah. we're passionate about it. And if, and if we lose that passion, if you will, and, and Sam has written about it in, in Leadership Pain. And then also, I like I like the one, uh, is it Bigger, Faster? Yeah, Leadership, Bigger, Faster. Bigger, Faster, Leadership. Dude, that thing, uh, that thing rocked my world. Just yeah. that, it was such a practical application. So so here's, here's my deal. Let's talk about practical application as a pastor and leader. Mm-hmm. I was in business most of my life uh, <laughs> through some sort of little moment, little niche in, in uh, my uh resolution process. I actually planted a church when I was 50, you know, first time I'd ever pastored even. And, uh, and man, was that, uh, you know, part of my education Mm -hmm. and, uh, but it was a fantastic experience. And my son pastors that church now, C3 Fort Worth is a fantastic pastor. It's a brilliant church. They just bought a brand new building right in the core of what's called the historic South side in Fort Worth. So I'm passionate about growing churches. Yeah. Passion because I believe the church is the hope of the world, Virgil. Yep. And and that's why Avail is so important. That's yep. why the things we're doing, it stirs this up. Because J. Robert Clinton wrote that book in 1988, The Making of a Leader, in which he talked about the tip-over points of us as pastors and leaders. And he said only 30% of us finish strong. But I will tell you, bro, 100% of us think it's us that's going to finish strong. Right, right. So what are these tip over things and what is it, man? There's so much stress. One of the things I found out, my pastor was uh, Dr. Jim Garlow, who, who remains a great friend. And he was my pastor here in Dallas and then uh, went out and pastored Skyline and built a great church there on a foundation that Orville Booker and uh, John Maxwell have laid. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and now his uh, son-in-law is pastoring that church. So, so here's the thing. I, w- I want to get into this deal here. There's so much stress and pressure. I had no idea. Jim told me I was the chairman of the board and he would tell me, he'd call me late at night and go, man, this thing's hit me. I'm going like, dude, so what? They left. Yeah. It's like, I'm a business guy. <laughs> right? Yeah, they left. So what? Get new clients. You know, it's good to, you know, yeah. God get, he's like, no, 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 no. He said, uh, man, I prayed over the kid when their kid was sick. I went to the hospital five times for the guy's wife. Yeah. And then they tell me they're not getting fed. Yeah. What? You know, um, it's like my friend Steve Solomon years ago. He said, man, he prayed over a child that came back to life. And then two years later, the people left his church. Like, like what? <laughs> you know, for another thing down the road. So so this pressure and this pain, if you will. Yeah. I believe if we disciple men, Verge, it's not another program. It's not more work. And in fact, it's like the uh, cranking a battery on your car. Like I've got a pick up with a big motor because I live in Dallas. Yeah. I live in Fort Worth. It's got a big V8 and it needs a big battery. But once I once I'm moving, I've got to fuel it. That 
if you will, that battery, that cranking amps is an event, men's mm -hmm. event, the men's breakfast, the thing that boom. But then the fuel is discipleship, the process. Yeah. And once you get that moving from zero to one, we know in quantum physics from zero to one is the, is the greatest distance. Yeah. Getting something from inertia to momentum requires the greatest energy. So there mm -hmm. is work and energy getting it going. But once you've trained some men, mm -hmm. I'll give you an example. Rather than calling 10 men to get two guys to show up for a work project on Saturday, what, what if you called two men and got 10 guys to show up? Yeah. Okay. So when you disciple men, there's a process that gets it going. And I usually say, do it this way. Start with three men that you trust. I had a young pastor and I'll get, I, I know what the question is. So I'll get, I'll get you're back good, to you're it. You're good. I like it. Oh, I like it. Hey, dude, the old guy, I think you forgot. <laughs> uh, so I had a, I had a young guy's pastoring now in Laurel, Mississippi, a great friend named Sean. And he called me, he'd, he'd uh, taken over a church as a youth pastor. He was a youth pastor. He's two years into this like bright eyed youth pastoring thing. And the pastor sadly uh, tragically died. The associate pastor took a job at a church across town and the music guy took off with a lady from the choir. Wow. So he spent two years just like spinning and he like, he's the one guy left. And I met with him and, and I said, just start with, with some men you trust and begin to disciple them. He said, well, I've got the three guys I play basketball with. I said, start with those guys. And he did started with three men, spent six week, excuse me, six months mm -hmm. meeting with them every Wednesday night after the midweek service, just going through Maximize Manhood, a book my father wrote years ago, and, and has now been read by over 28 million men worldwide. Mm. Maximize Manhood, he started through the process, started training them. And after six months, he, he multiplied those men by the end of a year, two years later, he's got over a hundred men in his church the thing had dissipated to about 80 people. Now he's got a hundred minutes church because it continued to grow. Yeah. Because when you, when you begin to stir the heart of men, strong men attract strong men. Mm -hmm. And when you build strong men, you get more men arriving. So that's one of the benefits. Yeah. So he called me. So here's the deal. Here's, here's one of the other benefits. He called me on a Thursday morning and I'll never forget it. And he said, Hey man, what's up? I said, Hey bro, what's, what's going on? I said, he said, uh, Thursday morning, he said, I'm working on my sermon for Sunday. I said, yeah, fantastic, good. <laughs> but he goes, no, no, you don't understand. For the last four years, I wasn't able to get to my sermon until Saturday night. <laughs> he said there were so many emergencies, so many urgencies. This thing, this people leaving, this thing, that thing, whatever. And he said, with the men's movement we now have going on, he said, I have less counseling. That's one of the benefits of discipling men because yeah. now guys are taking care of guys. They're becoming their brother's keeper. He says, uh, he says, my guys are taking care of some of the stuff. He said, I've got more volunteers now. That's yep. another benefit. He said, and, and I have more personal time to study the word of God. Hmm. And it's Thursday morning and I'm working on my sermon. Nice. That changed his whole worldview. When you disciple men, one of the benefits is, is you're going to get more time for your own personal development, which is what J. Robert Clinton talked about in The Making of a Leader. He said, the first thing that begins to slip is you slip on your personal devotional life. Yeah. That passion you had when you started becomes programmed. And frankly, when you become good at it and successful, you can kind of show up and just preach, you know, the sermon you did three years ago on March 1st. 
<laughs> you know? Ah, it's March 1st. Yeah, I'll do the one three years ago. Nobody will remember it. It's great. <laughs> then you got the whole month mapped out. And then you go play golf or go scuba diving. So uh, rather than keeping that passion. And so yeah. that's one of the first things. So, so when you're in front of some men, when you're actually meeting with some men, some things come up in you. You're like, you got to deal with some stuff. You got to talk to these guys. You got to be authentic. You can't just stand up there and preach and say, don't do porn. Right. <laughs> like, and then, yeah, good pancake breakfast. Yeah, good word, pastor. Thanks. And they're all out there messing up still. Yeah, yeah. So now you're, you know, when you're discipling men, you have you have more people come to Christ in your church. Yeah. And the old stat, you know, we know this stat. It holds true, and you know this. In, in fact, you, you teach this. Mm-hmm. When you bring a child to Christ, 17 to 25% of the time, the entire family comes to Christ. But when you reach a father for Christ, 95% of the time, that entire family will come to Christ. You know, it's, it's, a, uh, it's just so more people come to Christ, number one. Uh, secondly, you get, you get more volunteers mm-hmm. because now you've got men who understand, well, why? You know, because it's like, hey, uh, why am I giving? Why am I doing this? Because it's changing the future of the world. Yeah. Why am I working on the church building? Because when people walk in and see excellence, and I hope that I hope there's no doilies in the in the lobby of anybody watching this right now, <laughs> because I know they're still around. I saw some about a month ago. Yeah, in San they are. <laughs> so <laughs> I'm just saying you you've got a uh, it's it's a book a friend of mine wrote why men don't go to church. They don't go to church because they don't like a, a feminine environment, right? You know, so if, and I'm not talking about macho. I'm not talking about uh, uh, this this sort of toxic masculinity. We're talking right. about traditional masculinity. What makes a place safe? Yeah, I remember Darlene Check. She was at one of our meetings in Lima, Peru, with Robert Berger, and she was uh, had, was in the country. She and her husband Mark, who now pastor in, in Australia, and uh, Darlene was in the country doing something for Compassion International. And we said, Hey, can you come over to our men's conference and do an opening thing? It was kind of it's kind of interesting, but but Robert really had the, the leading of the Lord on that. She stood up and she said this, and there had been about a 20-minute, just exuberant, 3,500 men just praising God. Yeah. She stood up and she said this. I never forgot it, Virg, and, and you'll love this. She said, when men worship, women feel safe. Come on. Yep. See, see, that's the security of a father. You know, what's what's the role of a father? The role of a father is not to raise up a good son. The role of a father is to raise up a good father. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. So now what we're looking at is, is that when you raise up strong men, strong men is not because of their external, it's their internal. Yeah. It's always character, right? Mm-hmm. Over talent. Yeah. Because so often we look for people of talent. That goes back to 2 Timothy 2, 2, which has been a core uh, structure and, and formation of Christian men's network and what we do around the world is that commit these, Paul said about to Timothy, commit these words to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. Yep. Four generations. Paul talking to Timothy, he said, commit these words to faithful men. Faithfulness is the cornerstone of character. So when you're raising up disciples, you're raising up men. This is why you give men a job because then there's a marking point for their faithfulness. Mm-hmm. Faithfulness is not just showing up and make sure you got that next to the last pew because you don't want to sit in the back pew. You look like a bad guy. Sit in the next to the last one, and then you look like, yeah, pretty good. <laughs> you know, so, 
So when we disciple men, it's really about helping them become faithful. And faithfulness and character always trumps talent and charisma. Yeah. So, but we look for talented guys and we all do it. We see a talented guy come in and we go, ah, dude, I think I could help that guy. He's got so much talent. And then we just pray that that guy will be faithful. Whereas if we take a faithful man, develop his talent, that's so, Luke 15. So good. It's the second, it's remember the lady with the, with the uh, coin lost in the couch. Uh-huh. That's finding value in people in your church. Right. That's what that yeah. whole Luke 15, there's three parables. And the second one is, is finding the value of the lady lost coin. What is that? That's, that's turning up. What's the value of that person? It's what a great coach does. You always put your players in the place where they're best, mm-hmm. where, where they can absolutely become excellent, where they perform at their highest level. So that's part of this. So, so when you disciple men, you get more salvations, yep. you get healthier families, which means fewer counseling appointments, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. You get more personal time, you know, to study the word of God. You get more workers. And here's another thing. Here's a big deal. This is where we all live. When you have strong men, you have strong finances. Mm-hmm. The old line, I mean, this is an old preacher line, bro. So it just proves I grew up in church. Says uh, when you when you disciple men, you no longer just get the tithe off the grocery money. You get the tithe off the gross. That's right. That's right. <laughs> I, I give you, I give a great example. Casson Huddleston, a, a friend of mine, who he took maximized manhood. He was so frustrated, man. He's planting his church. He's three years into it. He's doing everything his denomination told him to do. And he looks around one Sunday, and he's got like six men. This is a guy who's got a construction company. Hmm. Okay, so he's looking for men, men, not just males right you're a man by birth but you're a man by choice that's right all right or by training uh-huh right so in other words you got to train man you have to train wisdom it says gain wisdom so you have to train it if you if your car breaks down you don't want somebody kind of trying it out looking on google mm-hmm. to you, you want a guy who's trained in it right yep so uh Kasson, he looked around he's got like about eight guys in his church a Sunday morning, about 60 people. And he's just been cranking him for three years. And finally, he just grabbed maximized manhood, went on his front porch, took three of those guys. He started a men's meeting. He said at the end of 12 weeks, he had about 14 men on his front porch. Okay. He said over the next three years, that thing multiplied. And he looked around one Sunday and he had 100, I think it was 146 people he told me he had in the church. He said, bro, I had 146 people in that Sunday morning service, and at least 45 to 50 of them were men. Wow. He said, and two of the men who joined because of that men's group in the last year are, the, are two of the men who were core to buying the new building we bought, and they bought the old downtown uh, Civic Center in Rowlett, Texas. And, I mean, it's like he said, there's no way that it would have happened <laughs> unless I had taken the time and the effort of starting the discipleship of men. He said, now I've got those same guys. So I meet with these men. I love it. Have a great time. And they all go do the work of the ministry. The role of the pastor was never to disciple the family, but to disciple the father and the father would disciple the family. That's good. That's good. I love this. That's the Bible, bro. Yeah. I love this, Paul. Can, can Can I just, can I just say I'm just, just listening to you right now is getting me hyped up 
to to go and disciple some men and to disciple some men that are going to disciple some other men that are going to disciple some other men. Um, uh, and I and I think that this really is this really is part of the solution. Um, yeah. Kind, kind of as we're rounding this conversation off, I wanted to ask you, and and you you've been setting kind of setting a good case here for why this is important. What happens if we don't do this? Like, what happens if if we don't make an intentional um, step right now? as pastors and leaders to disciple men, if we don't, if we don't do this, what happens? Well, I'll tell you what happens. It keeps going the way it's going. You know, insanity is, is trying the same thing and expecting different results. Right, and right now, uh, you know, it's kind of like that Dr. Phil thing. How's that been working for you? <laughs> well, it hasn't been working well. You know, I had a friend of mine one time, he said, you know, with, he said, I built a seeker church. The problem is men are no longer seekers. They're runners. Wow. And and so we're living in a world in which 220 million children will be abused, neglected or mistreated this year worldwide. We're living in a world where Nick and Chris with A21 are telling us there are more people enslaved worldwide today than there were 20 years ago. Wow. We're living in a world that's not getting better. It's getting worse. Now, I'm an Acts 217 guy. I believe in the, it says in the last days, I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. I believe Jesus returns for a powerful, overcoming, victorious, conquering church. Yeah. How do we do that? And the problem is we've been playing a short game, bro. Mm -hmm. We've been looking for butts in the seats. We've been looking for like a, like, like for numbers. We've been looking for something that kind of uh, valuates and gives us our identity. We got to find our identity in Christ, not in how many people are sitting out there. Right. You know, the, the, my concern is uh, we're more concerned about how many people are in our chairs than how many disciples are in the streets. Uh-huh. And and we have to go to that. And that's a long game Yeah, because you don't see it. You don't see it right away. Kasten Huddleston with that deal where he told me how many men were there, he didn't see it right away. Uh, my friend Dwayne Pickett in a in a uh, urban church in Jackson, Mississippi, the largest uh, black pastor church in Mississippi. Mm-hmm. And, and he said it was probably three years before he saw a turn. And all of a sudden he looked around and 40%, check this out, in an urban setting, 40% of his attendance, and it's a mega church, 40% of his attendance at New Jerusalem Church there in Jackson, Mississippi, 40% was men on a Sunday morning. He looked around and he had all these men. Hmm. And he hadn't seen it over time. He'd just been discipling a group of guys. He would take them out and do a, a bonfire on a farm that his family owned and He'd sit around and he'd just get authentic with them yeah. and say, hey, anybody struggling with this? Because I am. Right. You know, yeah. and it just got real and, and it just began to grow and men got real with other men and men began to take care of other men, began to take responsibility. Maturity doesn't come with age. It comes with the acceptance of responsibility. That's and good. if we don't do this, there'll be more children abused. There'll be more people enslaved. There'll be more men uh, enslaved in pornography and in, in secret addictions. There'll be fewer men in universities. There'll be fewer, uh, you know, they, I could go on down the line, but but we all know that the issue and there'll be more uh, marriages blowing up and you're going to yep. spend most of your time doing nothing but urgent work. And you're going to just, you're just going to wear yourself out with it. Wow. That's wow. You, you've given us, in this podcast, Paul, um, a lot to think about <laughs> more so than think I want to encourage pastors and leaders to do, to do something about, 
about this. Maybe you're hearing uh, these statistics. Maybe you're seeing everything that Paul is talking about. You're seeing it in in you know live and in color in your church in your community. This scarcity of of strong godly discipled men. Uh, and maybe you're thinking, you know, what do I do? Where do I start? Uh, Paul, I want to be able to connect people to you, to, to the resources that your ministry provides. What are some of the ways people can can find more resources, connect with you, you know, online and, 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 and maybe some tips of where they can get some more? Yeah. Christian Men's Network, cmn.men, cmn.men. Don't go to CNN. Not going to get much help there. <laughs> but Christian Men's Network, cmn.men, Christian Men's Network. And uh, we have tools in many languages. Uh, we've got the entire Western Hemisphere covered, basically. Uh, you, we've got everything in Portuguese, everything in Spanish, and everything in English. So good. Uh, so uh, I guess we left Ottawa out, you know, with the French. But nonetheless, <laughs> uh, we've got the tools you need, and we have people who will help you do that. Uh, there's, a, there's a website we did called majoringinmen.com. Majoringinmen.com. And that website is a free resource, 12, 12 lessons, 20 minutes each. You or your men's leader or some of your leaders can take that, go through it. It's 20 minutes each. It, it walks through. Uh, we've got a 140-page manual out of 50 years of mentoring men. Wow. And it walks through how to develop and how to start a ministry to men in your local church that actually lasts, that, that, <laughs> that you don't keep starting every six months. <laughs> Right. It's yeah. measurable, reproducible and sustainable. That's good. So everybody, you heard it. Christian Men's Network, CMN dot. Is it dot men? Men. Yep. Not men. CMN dot men. You can also yeah. check out majoringinmen.com for a great resource there. Um, also mentioned, Paul, you have a you have a um, a blog as well. PaulLewisCole.com. Yeah, PaulLewisCole.com. Yeah, we're all over. You know, just go to PaulLewisCole. It's L-O-U-I-S. If you go on, uh, you know, social media, we're kind of all over the place. That's good. And then uh, Monday Night Men, just if you're on video, you can see behind me. We do it. We go through our books. And we have a number of resources. We go through all those things uh, all the time. And I just got to tell you again, man, I'm, I'm digging the podcast you guys are doing. Uh, we're supporters. We're, we're behind it. I, uh, I've spent time with uh, Sam, spent time with you. And dude, you guys, you guys uh, live this stuff. It's not just a gig, you know, it's a calling. And I love it, man. Yeah, love being around. I, I appreciate that. That's a good time to mention the Avail uh, Journal or Avail Leadership Magazine. This comes out quarterly, everybody. If you do not currently subscribe to it, you, we'll give you a year for free. Claim your free annual subscription to the Avail Journal. This is just a, a magazine, Christian leadership magazine that's filled with great resources, great articles from great leaders, men leaders, women leaders, uh, ministry leaders, marketplace leaders, Christian leaders with great resources. So leaders, make sure you go to availjournal.com, claim your free annual subscription. And not only that, hey, Verge, let me add something, man. That, uh -huh. that thing is so well done. It is. It's like a perfect bind with great uh framing and great artwork and you guys you kill it i didn't even know how you get it out every quarter yeah it looks good it feels good and it lands good in the heart and in the mind for leaders i appreciate yeah. you saying that paul paul Amazing. hey let's finish this off with a, just the final nugget uh, i think what you've what you've served up for us already has been so so helpful so important i'm, I'm already thinking i'm already thinking and strategizing lord how are we going to get 
some resources into men's hands? How are we going to begin to disciple more intentionally? Uh, yeah. What's the final closing thought you want to leave on leaders' hearts? I'll give you two thoughts. Number one, uh, you can have great crowds with great sermons, but you'll never change a nation until you disciple the men. That's right. And secondly, your ministry to men will only rise to the level of pain you're willing to endure. As I always say. <laughs> <laughs> Sam Chan would agree. <laughs> yeah, I know. That's a, that's a Chandism. <laughs> thank you. Thank you for coming on, Paul. You know, I, I want to say on behalf of uh, the whole Avail team, Dr. Sam Chand, Martin Van Tilburg, we're honored that you would take some time uh, to speak with our leaders, to pour out your heart uh, for men. We truly, we truly admire you. We honor you. And we thank you for being on. Thanks, Virgil. Love you, bro. Thank you for joining us for this episode of the Avail podcast with our guest, Paul Lewis Cole. You can connect with Paul on Instagram and check out Christian Men's Network by going to cmn.men. And for some free resources for men, go to majoringinmen.com. For more leadership resources, check us out at theartofleadership.com. And make sure to claim your free annual subscription of the Avail Journal at availjournal.com. As always, I'm your Avail Media host, Virgil Sierra. Muchas gracias. Thank you for connecting with us to learn the art of leadership here at the Avail Podcast.